Hello, and welcome to Grind and Flow, useful conversations about craft, creativity, and meaningful work. I'm Chuck Moore, and I'm happy to present my talk with Houston entrepreneur and rising star ice cream boss, Rebecca Durden Swindle. Rebecca is the driving force behind Pater Lee's Kitchen which produces the 1848 Heritage Handcrafted Ice Cream brand. In a moment, you'll hear Rebecca explain the story behind these brand names and why this endeavor is such a compelling expression of deep family bonds, black history, culinary heritage, and of course, Rebecca's own remarkable drive and curiosity. I'm a sucker for ice cream. I'm also a sucker for great branding, which ideally I think should come from a compelling story and or passion, and Rebecca's got both. So let's jump right in, but be warned, it's noisy. We were in an industrial kitchen space as Rebecca, mother of two, tells about launching such a surprisingly complex new business, holding down a demanding corporate job, and finding time for self-care. Enjoy. So you are a superwoman. Uh, I hate that term. You are a superwoman and you're never scared, ever. Uh, I am a superwoman. Uh, and Superwoman does get, get scared. Sometimes fear can be debilitating. It could keep you from doing the thing that you're meant to do and that you're purposed to do. You'll talk yourself into something because of fear, and you could also talk yourself out of something because of fear. But you know what I've learned in my 30 plus years of working? Do it scared. Do it scared. What's the worst that can happen? You won't be scared when you finish, you'll be relieved. I didn't know a thing about this business until I got into it. And sometimes I get a little afraid, like, what am I doing? What, what have I done? What have I gotten myself into? But I've learned in everything that I've ever started in my career, in my, in my life, just to do it scared. My name is Rebecca Durden Swindle, and I am the founder and owner of Patrilli's Kitchen Handcrafted Heritage Ice Cream. I make super premium ice cream, and I also create flavors that represent the African diaspora. So everything from the Horn of Africa through Brazil to the Caribbean to the American South, if, if we brought it, I just represent it in ice cream. The significance of the name of that business is that Petra Lee Stubbs is my great-grandmother's name, and I uh, look exactly like her. So in keeping with the, the traditions of my family and the uh, creation of this brand, with everything being handmade, handcrafted, and handed down, uh, I thought it apropos to name my business after her. So tell me about the significance of 1848. 1848 is significant because it was the year that Edmund Albius was freed as a, as a slave. And who is Edmund Albius? Edmund Albius is a 12-year-old slave uh, on the island of Reunion, which now today is modern-day Madagascar. He invented hand pollinization of the orchid plant. Uh, vanilla beans are they're a bean that sprouts from an orchid plant. And when God made the vanilla orchid, he put it in Mexico. However, as that plant was removed out of its native land, those who removed it were unable to actually produce or sprout a bean. The plant would grow, but a bean would not result. And a, a young 12-year-old slave by the name of Edmund Albius uh, invented hand pollinization. And he was able to actually produce the first vanilla bean outside of its native Mexico on the island of Reunion, which now is modern-day Madagascar, which is where bourbon vanilla beans come from. He was then, of course, uh, trotted all around that part of the world to teach other slaves how to do the same. And so I actually believe he's single-handedly responsible for the uh, worldwide production of the vanilla bean. So Edmund Alvius was freed in 1848. Of course, he was freed penniless, uh, largely unknown. 
And so uh, I thought it apropos to um, bring some significance to that story. Uh, it is not only very important to me and the brand, but it's also very important to one of the most, if not the most popular flavor in the world of ice cream, which is vanilla. I started doing uh, ice cream two years ago, actually, when my, um, my children love ice cream, but I really got tired of buying a brand of ice cream that they liked. And once I started making it for them, then it became making it for my family and family members. Then it became making it for my neighbors and neighborhood. Then it, I was really getting into it at this point and it became, <laughs> uh, started to take over my home kitchen. And my husband said, you know, this doesn't look like it's a hobby anymore. It actually looks like it's a business. So I, uh, I commenced to developing my business and getting licensed and uh, got myself started two years ago. And I've been loving every minute of it ever since. Only a few years in, and Rebecca's already got an acclaimed gourmet brand on her hands. Early on, she took home the People's Choice Award and the Rookie Award from, hope I get this right, the Rodeo Uncorked Roundup and Best Bites competition in Houston. It's an international food and wine event I'm just learning about and absolutely have to attend at some point. And looking now at her website, I can see why she was recognized. That's plk1848.com, by the way a site that tantalizes with flavors like Buckshot, Sugar Mama, Pineapple Habanero Sorbet, and, love the sound of this, a tribute to Prince called Dirty Mind. It's a blackberry custard with splashes of Merlot and Melomel wine, along with bits of brownie, white chocolate, and walnuts. Oh my goodness, I want to know how she got here. How did she take this from a hobby in her kitchen to what surely must be a path to the big leagues? Oh, wow. The learning curve for me was learning how to uh, categorize and enumerate tasks in a different way uh, because I'm often multitasking in terms of making uh, the base and then thinking about what the inclusions are. I do all the bakes uh, as well as make all the syrups or the swirls, all handmade, all homemade. So it was through research and trial and error. You know, when you're cooking, when you're preparing a recipe, you have a bunch of instructions on a sheet of paper. And you could follow those instructions to the T and produce a product that tastes really icky or doesn't taste quite right or isn't exactly what you had envisioned or doesn't look like the picture. You have to try and fail. And I tried and failed a lot until I got one basic base created to my standards that was fully balanced, had the right flavor, and had the appropriate amount of butter fat and sugar. So uh, you have to try a lot, you have to fail a lot, and you learn from those failures and you hopefully don't ever repeat them again because they can be quite expensive. Uh, and you also test a lot. I do have a, uh, I call them my kitchen cabinet of, uh, of taste testers. People will tell me the truth, even when I don't want to hear the truth. What does it taste like? What's the mouthfeel? What's the texture? So what was the scariest and or costliest mistake you've made in this journey? <sighs> Well, let's start with the scariest. The scariest mistake that I believe that I've made was um, trusting someone else to, to prepare a recipe because I was multitasking doing something else. That was the scariest thing. It was also quite costly because we had to throw out the entire batch. So what do you take away from that delegating it to someone else? I believe in the power of delegation. I'm, I, I, delegation works. 
However, to effectively delegate, you've got to ensure two things. One, that you've had effective communication. People like to say, I'm a great communicator. Okay, well, what does that really mean? Hearing is one thing, listening is another. Hearing means you can hear sounds, your ears work. Listening means you're actively hearing and you're, and you're also interpreting and comprehending. It's a physical thing, listening, because you're paying attention, you're, 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 you're alert. Something happens with your eyes when you're really listening and something even happens on the inside with your heart when you're really listening. So effective communication does require the ability to listen effectively and then to comprehend. And then you also have to make sure that your filters are not getting in the way. Are you or were you a naturally good listener or did you have to learn that skill? As a child, I was read to and I learned uh, then to listen because I would, of course, hear the story and imagine. I couldn't understand the words at that time. Um, however, I learned how to listen for effective communication through trial and error work, working with people, working with humans. Um, it was a skill that I had to develop as a leader. If I was going to be good at, it, at being a leader, I had to learn how to listen to people, not just hear what they're saying, but listen, listen with some intention. And so I not only operate and I function with intention, I get up every day with an intention. What is my intention today? To be fabulous? Yes. But what is my intention today? To be effective, to be, to be a good partner to my husband, to be a great mother to my children, to be an example to people who were coming behind me because I had great examples. Those are things that I get up every day and think about. But I had to learn how to fine tune certain skills as a leader and those were effective communication, verbal and written, as well as my listening skills. Do you have any filters or way to break down feedback you don't agree with? Well, I first deal with my emotional response to the feedback. I'm going to deal with me first. First of all, why am I emotional? Where is this emotion coming from and why is it here? This person had nothing to do with this emotion. They just said some words. So I deal with me first. I find out what's going on with me first. And then once I find out what's going on with me, then I could process and deal with the words that were spoken. There's no emotion in it after that. I can just respond in the best way possible. But the first thing is you got to deal with your own feelings about it because something caused those feelings. It might not be those words. It might be something else that triggered them. And it's okay to say, thank you for your feedback. However, that's not true. Or thank you for your feedback. You're exactly right. We, we messed up. We could do better. In fact, here's what we're going to do. And then once you apologize, lay out what you're going to do differently next time, I found that people are willing to give you a chance to do that because they want to make sure they're going to hold you accountable even when you can't hold yourself accountable to what you said you were going to do. That is whether you're talking to your children and you're being a good parent, whether you're being a good partner with your mate, uh, or whether you're in corporate America. People are going to hold you accountable. They're going to, your words are going to be, are going to begin to determine who you are and determine what that perception is. Your actions are always uh, speak louder than those words. That's why you gotta, you gotta say what you're gonna do and then do what you say. What does self-care look like to you? Ooh, right now, vacation. Um, <laughs> self-care for me is stopping. Just taking the time to stop, turning the phone off, uh, turning the sound down, in my life and just stopping. So that would mean I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to um, eat something really nourishing and really delicious food, feed my body. I'm going to feed my soul. 
So that means I'm going to pray, I'm going to meditate or just listen to music, uh, preferably gospel music. I'm probably going to either enjoy a spa experience at home or I'm going to treat myself to a spa experience because I love spa experiences. <laughs> so for me, self-care is literally shutting it down. Sometimes you just got to unplug it. Unplug it, turn off the phone. If I have to turn off the cable box so that I have no internet, <laughs> I will do that. And I have been known to do that. There you have it, Rebecca Durden Swindle, founder of Patrick Lee's Kitchen and 1848 Heritage Handcrafted Ice Cream. Stand by for some parting advice from Rebecca and her toolkit of wisdom. But first I wanna say thanks for listening. Hope you get something out of this and we'd love to hear from you. Please follow and subscribe on YouTube, the usual social medias, and or favorite podcast app. Until next time, here's a few Rebecca Durden Swindle takeaways from Rebecca Durden Swindle. See ya. Do it scared. That's my number one lesson. Do it scared. Uh, you don't know what you can get away with until you try. That's another great lesson. Lead with your heart. Always ask for feedback and all feedback is good. And strive for progress rather than perfection.